Chapter Twenty of Red Gauntlet by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter Twenty. Narrative of Darcy Latimer continued. Joe Crackenthorpe's public house had never, since it first reared its chimneys on the banks of the Solway, been frequented by such a miscellaneous group of visitors as had that morning become its guests. Several of them were persons whose quality seemed much superior to their dresses and modes of travelling. The servants who attended them contradicted the inferences to be drawn from the garb of their masters and according to the custom of the knights of the rainbow gave many hints that they were not people to serve any but men of first-rate consequence these gentlemen who had come thither chiefly for the purpose of meeting with mr redgauntlet seemed moody and anxious conversed and walked together apparently in deep conversation and avoided any communication with the chance travellers whom accident brought that morning to the same place of resort as if fate had set herself to confound the plans of the jacobite conspirators the number of travellers was unusually great their appearance respectable and they filled the public tap-room of the inn where the political guests had already occupied most of the private apartments amongst others honest joshua geddes had arrived travelling as he said in the sorrow of the soul and mourning for the fate of darcy latimer as he would for his first-born child he had skirted the whole coast of the solway besides making various trips into the interior not shunning on such occasions to expose himself to the laugh of the scorner nay even to serious personal risk by frequenting the haunts of smugglers horse-jockeys and other irregular persons who looked on his intrusion with jealous eyes and were apt to consider him as an exciseman in the disguise of a quaker all this labour and peril however had been undergone in vain no search he could make obtained the least intelligence of latimer so that he began to fear the poor lad had been spirited abroad for the practice of kidnapping was then not infrequent especially on the western coasts of britain if indeed he had escaped a briefer and more bloody fate with a heavy heart he delivered his horse even solomon into the hands of the ostler and walking into the inn demanded from the landlord breakfast and a private room quakers and such hosts as old father crackenthorpe are no congenial spirits the latter looked askew over his shoulder and replied if you would have breakfast here friend you are like to eat it where other folk eat theirs and wherefore can i not said the quaker have an apartment to myself for my money because master jonathan 
you must wait till your betters be served or else eat with your equals joshua geddes argued the point no further but sitting quietly down on the seat which crackenthorpe indicated to him and calling for a pint of ale with some bread butter and dutch cheese began to satisfy the appetite which the morning air had rendered unusually alert while the honest quaker was thus employed another stranger entered the apartment and sat down near to the table on which his victuals were placed he looked repeatedly at joshua licked his parched and chopped lips as he saw the good quaker masticate his bread and cheese and sucked up his thin chops when mr geddes applied the tankard to his mouth as if the discharge of these bodily functions by another had awakened his sympathies in an uncontrollable degree at last being apparently unable to withstand his longings he asked in a faltering tone the huge landlord who was tramping through the room in all corpulent impatience whether he could have a plaque pie never heard of such a thing master said the landlord and was about to trudge onward when the guest detaining him said in a strong scottish tone ye will maybe have no whey then nor buttermilk nor ye couldna exhibit a souter's clod can't tell what ye are talking about master said crackenthorpe then ye will have no breakfast that will come within the compass of a shilling scots which is a penny sterling answered crackenthorpe with a sneer why no sonny i can't say as we have we can't afford it but you shall have a bellyful for love as we say in the bull-ring i shall never refuse a fair offer said the poverty-stricken guest and i will say that for the english if they were devils that they are a sieve leased people to gentlemen that are under a cloud gentlemen humph said crackenthorpe not a blue cap among them but halts upon that foot then seizing on a dish which still contained a huge cantle of what had been once a princely mutton pasty he placed it on the table before the stranger saying there master gentleman there is what is worth all the black pies as you call them that were ever made of a sheep's head sheep's head is a good thing for all that replied the guest but not being spoken so loud as to offend his hospitable entertainer the interjection might pass for a private protest against the scandal thrown out against the standing dish of caledonia this premised he immediately began to transfer the mutton and pie-crust from his plate to the lips in such huge gobbets as if he was refreshing after a three days fast and laying in provisions against a whole lent to come joshua geddes in his turn gazed on him with surprise having never he thought beheld such a gaunt expression of hunger in the act of eating friend he said after watching him for some minutes if thou gorgest thyself in this fashion thou wilt assuredly choke wilt thou not take a draught out of my cup to help down all that dry meat 
troth said the stranger stopping and looking at the friendly propounder that's no bad overture as they say in the general assembly i have heard worse motions than that from wiser counsel mr geddes ordered a quart of home-brewed to be placed before our friend peter peebles for the reader must have already conceived that this unfortunate litigant was the wanderer in question the victims of themis had no sooner seen the flagon than he seized it with the same energy which he had displayed in operating upon the pie puffed off the froth with such emphasis that some of it lighted on mr geddes head and then said as if with sudden recollection of what was due to civility here's to ye friend what are ye over grand to give me an answer or are ye dull of hearing i prithee drink thy liquor friend said the good quaker thou meanest it in civility but we care not for these idle fashions what ye are a quaker are ye said peter and without further ceremony reared the flagon to his head from which he withdrew it not while a single drop of barley brew remained that's done you and me muckle good he said sighing as he set down his pot but twa munchkins of yeal between twa folk is a drappy over little measure what say ye to another pot or shall we cry in a blithe scots pint at once the yeal is no amiss thou mayest call for what thou wilt on thine own charges friend said geddes for myself i willingly contribute to the quenching of thy natural thirst but i fear it were no such easy matter to relieve thy acquired and artificial draught that is to say in plain terms ye are for withdrawing your caution with the folk of the house you quaker folk are but fosse comforters but since ye have guard me drink so muckle cold yeal me that am no used to the like of it in the forenoon i think ye might as well have offered me a glass of brandy or usquebaugh i'm no nice body i can drink anything that's wet and toothsome not a drop at my cost friend quoth geddes thou art an old man and hast perchance a heavy and long journey before thee thou art moreover my countryman as i judge from thy tongue and i will not give thee the means of dishonouring thy grey hairs in a strange land grey hairs neighbour said peter with a wink to the bystanders whom this dialogue began to interest and who were in hopes of seeing the quaker played off by the crazed beggar for such peter peebles appeared to be grey hairs the lord mend your eyesight neighbour that disna ken grey hairs from a tow-wig this jest procured a shout of laughter and what was still more acceptable than dry applause a man who stood beside called out father crackenthorpe bring a nipperkin of brandy i'll bestow a dram on this fellow were it but for that very word the brandy was immediately brought by a wench who acted as barmaid and peter with a grin of delight filled a glass quaffed it off and then saying god bless me 
i was so unmannerly as not to drink to ye i think the quaker has smitten me with his ill-bred havings he was about to fill another when his hand was arrested by his new friend who said at the same time no no friend fair play's a jewel time about if you please and filling a glass for himself emptied it as gallantly as peter could have done what say you to that friend he continued addressing the quaker nay friend answered joshua it went down thy throat not mine and i have nothing to say about what concerns me not but if thou art a man of humanity thou wilt not give this poor creature the means of debauchery bethink thee that they will spurn him from the door as they would do a houseless and masterless dog and that he may die on the sands or on the common and if he has through thy means been rendered incapable of helping himself thou shalt not be innocent of his blood faith broadbrim i believe thou art right and the old gentleman in the flaxen jazzy shall have no more of the comforter besides we have business in hand to-day and this fellow for as mad as he looks may have a nose on his face after all hark ye father what is your name and what brings you into such an out-of-the-way corner i am not just free to condescend on my name said peter and as for my business there is a wee dribble of brandy in the stoop it would be wrong to leave it to the lass it is learning her bad usages well thou shalt have the brandy and be damned to thee if thou wilt tell me what you are making there seeking a young advocate chap that they call allan fairford that has played me a slippery trick and ye mon ken all about the cause said peter an advocate man answered the captain of the jumping jenny for it was he and no other who had taken compassion on peter's draught why lord help thee thou art on the wrong side of the firth to seek advocates whom i take to be scottish lawyers not english english lawyers man exclaimed peter the devil a lawyers in all england i wish from my soul it were true said ewart but what the devil put that in your head lord man i got a grip of one of their attorneys in carlisle and he told me that there wasna a lawyer in england any more than himself that kenned the nature of a multiple pointing and when i told him how this loopy lad allan fairford had served me he said i might bring an action on the case just as if the case hadna as many actions already as one case can well carry by my word it is a good case and muckle has it borne in its day of various procedure but it's the barley pickle breaks the nag's back and with my consent it shall not have any more burden laid upon it but this allan fairford said nanty come sip up the drop of brandy man and tell me some more about him and whether you are seeking him for good or for harm for my own good 
and for his harm to be sure said peter think of him having left my cause in the dead thraw between the tining and the winning and capering off into cumberland here after a wild loop the tether lad they call darcy latimer darcy latimer said mr geddes hastily do you know anything of darcy latimer maybe i do and maybe i do not answered peter i am no free to answer everybody's interrogatory unless it is put judicially and by form of law specially where folk think so much of a cop of sour yill or a thimbleful of brandy but as for this gentleman that has shown himself a gentleman at breakfast and will show himself a gentleman at the meridian i am free to condescend upon any points in the cause that may appear to bear upon the question at issue why all i want to know from you my friend is whether you are seeking to do this mr allan fairford good or harm because if you come to do him good i think you could maybe get speech of him and if to do him harm i will take the liberty to give you a cast across the firth with fair warning not to come back on such an errand lest worst come of it the manner and language of ewart were such that joshua geddes resolved to keep cautious silence till he could more plainly discover whether he was likely to aid or impede him in his searches after darcy latimer he therefore determined to listen attentively to what should pass between peter and the seaman and to watch for an opportunity of questioning the former so soon as he should be separated from his new acquaintance i would by no means said peter peebles do any substantial harm to the poor lad fairford who has had many a good guinea of mine as well as his father before him but i would have him brought back to the minding of my business and his own and maybe i wouldna insist further in my action of damages against him than for refunding the fees and for some annual rent on the principal sum due from the day on which he should have recovered it for me plaque and bobby at the great advising for ye are aware that is the least i can ask nomine damne and i have no thought to break down the lad bodily altogether we maun live and let live forgive and forget the deuce take me friend broadbrim said nanty ewart looking to the quaker if i can make out what this old scarecrow means if i thought it was fitting that master fairford should see him why perhaps it is a matter that could be managed do you know anything about the old fellow you seemed to take some charge of him just now no more than i should have done by any one in distress said geddes not sorry to be appealed to but i will try what i can do to find out who he is and what he is about in this country but are we not a little too public in this open room it's well thought of said nanty and at his command the barmaid ushered the party into a side booth peter attending them in the instinctive hope that there would be more liquor drunk among them 
before parting they had scarce sat down in their new apartment when the sound of a violin was heard in the room which they had just left i'll away back yonder said peter rising up again yon's the sound of a fiddle and when there is music there's i something ganging to eat or drink i am just going to order something here said the quaker but in the meantime have you any objection my good friend to tell us your name none in the world if you are wanting to drink to me by name and surname answered peebles but otherwise i would rather evite your interrogatories friend said the quaker it is not for thine own health seeing thou hast drunk enough already however here handmaiden bring me a gill of sherry sherry's but shilpit drink and a gill's a small measure for twa gentlemen to crack over at their first acquaintance but let us see your sneaking gill of sherry said poor peter thrusting forth his huge hand to seize on the diminutive pewter measure which according to the fashion of the time contained the generous liquor freshly drawn from the butt nay hold friend said joshua thou hast not yet told me what name and surname i am to call thee by damned sly in the quaker said nanty apart to make him pay for his liquor before he gives it him now i am such a fool that i should have let him get too drunk to open his mouth before i thought of asking him a question my name is peter peebles then said the litigant rather sulkily as one who thought his liquor too sparingly meted out to him and what do you have to say to that peter peebles repeated nanty ewart and seemed to muse upon something which the words brought to his remembrance while the quaker pursued his examination but i prithee peter peebles what is thy further designation thou knowest in our country that some men are distinguished by their craft and calling as cordwainers fishers weavers or the like and some by their titles as proprietors of land which savours of vanity now how may you be distinguished from others of the same name as peter peebles of the great plea of poor peter peebles against plainstains et per contra if i am laird of nothing else i am i a dominus litus tis but a poor lairdship i doubt said joshua pray mr peebles said nanty interrupting the conversation abruptly were not you once a burgess of edinburgh was i a burgess said peter indignantly and am i not a burgess even now i have done nothing to forfeit my right i trow once provost and i my lord well mr burgess tell me further have you not some property in the good town continued ewart troth have i that is before my misfortunes i had twa or three bonny bits of mailings among the closes and winds for by the shop and the story aboon it but plainstains has put me to the causeway now never mind though i will be upsides with him yet had you not once a tenement in the covenant close again demanded nanty you have hit it lad 
though ye look not like a coventer said peter we'll drink to its memory hout the heart's at the mouth of that ill-fared bit stoop already it brought a rent reckoning from the cross-step to the ground-sill that ye might call fourteen pounds a year for by the laugh cellar that was let to lucky littleworth and do you not remember that you had a poor old lady for your tenant mrs cantrips of kittlebasket said nanty suppressing his emotion with difficulty remember god i have good cause to remember her said peter for she turned a devour on my hands the old besom and after all that the law could do to make me satisfied and paid in the way of poinding and distrenzizing and so forth as the law will she ran away to the charity workhouse a matter of twenty pounds scots in my debt it's a great shame and oppression that charity workhouse taking in bankrupt divers that canna pay their honest creditors methinks friend said the quaker thine own rags might teach thee compassion for other people's nakedness rags said peter taking joshua's words literally does any wise body put on their best coat when they are travelling and keeping company with quakers and other such cattle as the road affords the old lady died i have heard said nanty affecting a moderation which was belied by accents that faltered with passion she might live or die for what i care answered peter the cruel what business have folk to do to live that canna live as law will and satisfy their just and lawful creditors and you you that are now yourself trodden down in the very kennel are you not sorry for what you have done do you not repent having occasioned the poor widow woman's death what for should i repent said peter the law was on my side a decreet of the baileys followed by poinding and an act of warding a suspension intended and the letters found orderly proceeded i followed the old rudas through twa courts she cost me more money than her lugs were worth now by heaven said nanty i would give a thousand guineas if i had them to have you worth my beating had you said you repented it had been between god and your conscience but to hear you boast of your villainy do you think it little to have reduced the aged to famine and the young to infamy to have caused the death of one woman the ruin of another and to have driven a man to exile and despair by him that made me i can scarce keep hands off you off me i defy ye said peter i take this honest man to witness that if ye stir the neck of my collar i will have my action for stealth reef spulsey oppression assault and battery here's a broad den indeed about an old wife gone to the grave a young limmer to the clothes-heads and causeway and a sticket stibbler a student of divinity who has not been able to complete his studies on theology to the sea instead of the gallows now by my soul said nanty 
this is too much and since you can feel no otherwise i will try if i cannot beat some humanity into your head and shoulders he drew his hanger as he spoke and although joshua who had in vain endeavoured to interrupt the dialogue to which he foresaw a violent termination now threw himself between nanty and the old litigant he could not prevent the latter from receiving two or three sound slaps over the shoulder with the flat side of the weapon poor peter peebles as inglorious in his extremity as he had been presumptuous in bringing it on now ran and roared and bolted out of the apartment and house itself pursued by nanty whose passion became high in proportion to his giving way to its dictates and by joshua who still interfered at every risk calling upon nanty to reflect on the age and miserable circumstances of the offender and upon poor peter to stand and place himself under his protection in front of the house however peter peebles found a more efficient protector than the worthy quaker End of chapter twenty